Hey, welcome to Recharting Your Life with Hope. I'm Hope Cook, creator and host. If you feel stuck, restless, overwhelmed, or dissatisfied with your current life, despite your life looking pretty good on paper, or at least on social media, I can totally relate. Together, we'll figure out how to take the next right step. I'll interview women who are a little farther along on the path and get tips and ideas from them. I definitely don't have it figured out, so I'll share the ups and downs of my own journey with you. Let's get started because life is too short to waste in autopilot. If you want to be the best possible version of you, you're in the right place. In just a minute, y'all are going to hear Heather McElroy's story. Heather's story is different from most of the women I interview because she didn't have her wake-up, aha moment when she was in her 30s or 40s. She actually had it in high school. So Heather tells us about how she grew up in a dysfunctional home, and she looked around her and realized she did not want her life to end up like that. So she made the conscious choice to change direction, to make one decision after another that would take her away from that place and give her a life of security and fulfillment and happiness where she would be able to raise her kids and and have a life um, completely different than the one she grew up with. So she'll tell us about this, but when she was 17, she declared herself emancipated from her family. She um, just really paved her own way and If you knew Heather in the community today, you may never know this part of her story. So I just want to give her kudos for sharing this, for having the courage to give us the background on her life before she became such an amazing real estate agent. And as she tells her story, I want you to just remember that we never know... um, We never know somebody's backstory. I always tell my kids there's more to a book than its cover. And it's so true with Heather. You would never know that she's gone through all this um, until you hear her story. So sit back and enjoy it. All right. Hey, everybody. Today, I'm excited to have Heather McElroy. Welcome, Heather. Hi. All right. So Heather lives in my town and Heather is a badass when it comes to real estate. (laughs) She's laughing. (laughs) But she is. And so my sister-in-law and Heather are really good friends. And my sister-in-law said, you need to interview Heather. She has quite a story. And Heather, I was trying to do some research on you. And I found that you started in real estate while you were still in college. Yes. Which is crazy. But I wasn't selling when I was still in college. I was an assistant. I didn't know anything about real estate. Um, I was just looking for a job. I was putting my way through school and after waiting tables at Bennigan's and working in the men's department at JCPenney, I was like, I cannot do this anymore. You know, I need to make more money and I need to be around different people. I don't know. Um, and, and so I had kept a business card from a, um, from a scholarship I'd gotten in high school and it was what, two or two and a half years later, And I just called that lady that I was introduced to through Rotary. And I was like, do you know anybody looking for an assistant? You know, Uh I don't know anything about real estate. She was in real estate. And um, I said, but, you know, I'm a hard worker. I had worked since I was 15 and I just needed something different. And she didn't need anyone. But one of her colleagues assistants had just graduated from the university. And so, you know, that just so I kind of. Um, I can't say I fell into it, but I, um, I kind of held the door open with my yeah. foot. And forced I love my way that. In. Okay. So this is what I try to tell my kids and what I try to tell when I mentor students, I'm like, you have to look for opportunities. You have to put yourself in these uncomfortable situations. Like back then, did you call her or email her? I called her. I yeah. had a business card. Yeah. So this was the very early on with email. Right. And so that was one of the big things that I did as this other agent's new assistant. And she's like, this new email stuff, I don't want anything to do with it. She didn't want anything to do with computers. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, when you cold call somebody like that, that has no idea who you are, 
I mean, that's, that's really scary. It, it was, it was nerve wracking. I mean, I knew the lady that I had the business card from, but the person that hired me, I didn't know her at all. And again, yeah. I knew nothing about real estate. I mean, I'd lived in the same house growing up. We didn't move around and, you know, yeah. so I had no experience with it at all, but then I did get licensed right after graduating. Um, but I am, uh, very diligent and I'm not a huge risk taker. So, mm-hmm. um, it was a few years before I was out on my own selling. Um, yeah. so I, after I graduated, I worked for a broker as her licensed assistant for a couple of years before going out on my own. Okay. Um, and we'll get yeah, so to this- how you became such a badass <laughs> in real estate. <laughs> um, but I want to go back to, you said you've been working since you were 15. And so one of the things Laura and my sister-in-law was so impressed with was she was telling me about how you um, were really independent, but you sort of had to be that way. So do you, can you walk us back through that time in your life? Sure. Um, you know, I, the things that I wanted in life weren't handed to me. And so if I wanted a car, I knew I needed to start working and, mm-hmm. and I still didn't get a car when I was 16, but you know, I really had to start saving and which meant working. Yeah. Um, so I just ha- had this motivation from the beginning that, you know, I kind of wanted to set my own path and create, I guess, my own abundance. I don't know. It certainly wasn't something I thought about at 15, but I knew that a car was my opportunity to freedom. Yes. <laughs> um, and so I, I started working um, and off, well, first was a uh, hostess and that made no money. And so then it was an office job. So, I mean, I just always worked and I did it around the other things. So I, I played sports growing up. Um, mm-hmm. So I was able to just kind of make it work and find jobs that allowed me to continue to do the things that I wanted to do. Um, but I knew that I wasn't going to be in a situation where college was paid for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't save a lot in high school for college, but I mean, scholarships were important. So I knew that I needed to keep my grades up. It just, I don't know. I just always had this self-awareness of if it, if I was going to have things in my life, I was going to have to create them for myself. Yes. Were you the firstborn in your family? No, I have an older brother. Okay. Um, and we certainly went on completely different paths from, you know, the things that happened to us in our childhood. He went one way and I went this completely opposite way as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. We, I do see that where two siblings, the same thing, they, they're brought up by the same parent, same situation. And one looks at it as, all right, this is my wake up call to do something the way I want to do it. And the other one feels more like a, um, like life happened to them and takes a right. different path. Yes. Yeah. So, um, did your parents go to college? My dad did. Um, he went after Vietnam. And um, so he had the GI Bill, but okay. my mom worked to support him. They married when she was young, um, right after she turned 18. Oh, and so wow. she was a baby. Yes, she was absolutely. <laughs> um, and they waited a number of years before they had kids. But at the same time, you know, it just was different back then, you know? And so she went to a little bit of junior college, um, in South Georgia on the coast. But, you know, once he came up to the university, she worked and, um, she worked a little bit while we were going kind of into our childhood. But then when we started getting involved in sports and activities, um, she was to quit and she was to be there for us and, and kind of be our chauffeur. And, you know, at looking back, it seems like those were probably things that took away her sense of being, Mm -hmm. you know, she's not here to tell me that, but you know, that's the perspective that I get looking back is like, well, what, you know, her whole life was to revolve around these two kids. I know that's how it was back then though. Yeah. And when she had a career before us, um, and then, you know, didn't (laughs) ever again. So yeah. And I knew I wanted something different for myself. I, I didn't want a man telling me what mm-hmm. I could and couldn't do or what I was to do and how I was to do it. And, 
you know, um, so again, I, I just, from watching my family situation, I just knew that I wanted something different and wanted to kind of create something for myself and, and being independent was absolutely a requirement at that point anyway, mm-hmm. for a very long time. Yeah. So then did you go to, did you get scholarships when you were an undergraduate? So I did. I had the Hope Scholarship um, to begin with. <laughs> that was hard to keep when you're mm-hmm. working. And so I, I did not keep it throughout. But um, I was also trying to force myself into a business degree uh-huh. that I thought I needed and, mm-hmm. you know, to be successful. And I was miserable. I hated it. The classes were so big. I was making no connection with any students, you know, or the professors. They wouldn't talk, you know, if you had office hours, you had a question. I mean, there was a mile long line and they had, you know, 30 minutes of their day. Yes. Heather, that's a good so. point. If you have this uphill <laughs> battle that you're like, why is it so hard? And like everywhere yes. you turn, it's so hard. You may have to ask yourself, like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. And so, so I did have some other scholarships. Um, I was very involved in high school. So I was able to get um, an Interact scholarship through Rotary and, you know, Jackson EMC gave me a scholarship. So I had quite a few scholarships that helped me in the beginning, but I knew that I still needed to work. And so I worked from day one, Um, but it was really hard coming into a college town where you're competing with high school students and college students mm-hmm. for jobs to really find anything that paid me a living wage. I mean, I couldn't afford to live in the dorms. Um, and so I found this super inexpensive place. I mean, now <laughs> I look back and I'm like, I cannot believe I survived living there, but you know, it was what was, it was what was necessary and what was needed and there was no one else paying my bills. And so, um, you know, it took me a little bit longer to graduate, but, you know, after talking to my advisor at the end of my sophomore year, I I just, it made no sense. I just, I think she could tell that I wasn't happy, that I was trying to force myself to get this business degree. And she said, you know, you need to talk to Dr. Ann Sweeney. And that was the best advice that anyone ever gave me in college because she was the most um, compassionate, um, connector that I met while at the university. And we still have a relationship to this day, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, Was she a professor? She was at the time, um, you know, but she only taught like one class and she might've been like associate Dean, you know, shame on me. I don't know what her title was at the time, but you know, the one meeting with her and I just knew you know, I don't have to get this degree from Terry College mm-hmm. of Business, you know, I can switch. And so I did, I switched majors and went to family consumer sciences and loved it and made the Dean's list the entire time oh, that I was there. Yes. I made a lifelong friend. I was in her wedding. She was in my wedding, you mm-hmm. know, and it was just, the classes were smaller. Um, and it, t- it taught me really how to live a good, solid life, be a good citizen um, you know, things that are just important that I need was going to be implementing in my life anyway, mm-hmm. as a citizen, as a taxpaying citizen. And so, yeah. um, you know, the thing, the skills that I learned after switching, I have been able to utilize my entire adult life. And mm-hmm. so I, I'm so glad that I kind of took that leap and and realized, you know, you're forcing, you're miserable, you're forcing yourself into these classes and you're not like anybody else here. Um, And that's okay. And, you know, it's, it's definitely for some people, it was not for me. Um, But through the process, I feel like I've turned out to be a, a pretty darn good business owner. Yeah. And you were doing this all completely independently. Like I was um, picturing you moving up to school. And when I moved up to school, both parents came with me. We went to Target. We picked out curtains. We picked out, you know, and they were helping me figure out the map of campus. But you're doing all this on your own. You just decided you wanted to go to college. You looked into scholarships. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yes. Um, So at the time I was... um, I got emancipated from my parents when I was 17. I had been living with a boss and her family and they were amazing. Um, There were definitely a handful of people through my life that helped me 
get to where I am. And, you know, I had an estranged relationship with my mom. And so Mm -hmm. the very first semester, I actually moved in with her in Barrow County. And it was the first time that I had lived with her since I was 15. And so that was weird. And it just, it was a, it was not a good place to be. And I was commuting in, you know, had 8am class, was working night as a waitress. It just, I was not able to study. It was hard. So after that first semester, I sublet through some people. So I moved three times before, yeah, three times before I've found my permanent place where I rented something by myself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you're doing this, but with friends, I assume, or just by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I had friends that, so I sublet through friends, um, which was nice, but it was the first place that I sublet. It was with two athletes. And so again, completely different lifestyle. They're Mm -hmm you know, they have tutors left and right. They have someone guiding them and filling up their day and they weren't working. And so it was different. It was certainly a completely different situation. Um, and so that probably lasted four months. And then I sublet with somebody else whose roommate had moved out, um, really from April until the end of that summer. Yeah. Um, and then found my own place and lived there until, you know, my husband and I, which we weren't, husband and wife then, but once we met and moved in together. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was tough. I didn't know what to expect. Um, my great grandfather was able to help me with my car payment. Mm -hmm. Um, but outside of that, actually it wasn't my car payment. He paid my car insurance. Um, so, you know, outside of that, no, I didn't have any financial help from anyone. Um, so you remember role models, like you mentioned your boss or your boss's wife and yeah. So my, my boss, um, she was the owner of a hair salon and, you know, she had three children. And so the fact that one, that her husband was willing to let me move into their basement yeah. was amazing. Um, but it gave me stability that I needed as a teenager when I knew that I was removing myself from a very toxic place, mm-hmm. you know, it gave me a sense of family. Um, even though yes. I was still very independent, um, and, and, didn't want to intrude on their family time. Every Sunday, we still sat down to dinner with all of her kids and I got included in that. And that was amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she was a huge role model for me because, you know, she worked hard and she came mm-hmm. from, you know, a tough time as well. And again, you know, expected to do certain things because she was female and didn't go to college, but here she was super successful. Um, you know, and so it was, it was nice to see that someone could succeed when there were so many, you know, hurdles that you had, that they had to jump through. Um, but, you know, I mean, that was, so that was good that I had that, but, you know, then things happened in their life where I couldn't necessarily depend on it, which was okay. Um, it's, you know, my, <laughs> I had outlived my welcome, but I stayed there. I stayed there until I graduated. So, I mean, I lived with them for, a year, maybe 14 months. Yeah. Um, and I needed it. I needed mm-hmm. the stability because prior to moving in with her, I was basically couch surfing yeah. as a 17 year old high school kid. Right. Um, but she helped, she co-signed with me on my first car because no one would give a 17 year old yeah. a car loan. And you and have so, to have a car if you're going to have to have a job and you have to have a car and they lived in a different school district. So I was I was commuting across town. So, I mean, I, I definitely needed a car. My dad took my car away when I moved out, even though I had paid for the down payment, oh, <laughs> it didn't matter. Yeah. Uh, it was in his name and, and he f- probably felt like that was a way he could control the situation that maybe mm-hmm. I would come back, but I knew that it was not a place that I needed to be it, mm-hmm. you know, my mom wasn't there and he certainly wasn't providing the proper environment for a right. young, impressionable, you know, girl yeah that you know and I'm and I made tons of mistakes I was I was still a very defiant mm-hmm. uh, hard-headed um yet determined um but you know certainly looking back now knowing that I have two daughters and remembering some of the ridiculous mm-hmm. things that I did as a teenager um scare me <laughs> for yes. sure. Um, but at the same time, <laughs> I still had this drive to create a different and better life for myself. And I just, I had to get, get out and, you know, so had, had Robin not helped me get the car loan, 
you know, but she made it very clear. I'm not paying a penny towards this. You know, I'm, this is hundred percent your responsibility. Um, and I, and I took it to heart and mm-hmm. had no problem. You know, I mean, I, I worked really hard and I had enough money and I've kept that, um, work ethic. I mean, I will say out of all of the horrible things in my childhood, the, the work ethic, I certainly got from my father. He never missed work. You know, he, went to work every single day. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and I just, that was something that I just, that was what I did as well, you know? So, yeah, you probably didn't even make a conscious choice. Like a lot of us in our thirties or forties, we sort of wake up and we think, okay, I don't like how my life is going. So I'm going to make a conscious choice to make decisions that lead me a different way. But I don't know if you were even old enough to, to make that conscious choice. You just knew, I don't like this. I need to, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just needed something different. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of bumps along the way, but you know, it's that path is what has gotten me here. Yeah. And so you, so once you were in family and consumer sciences, you've realized these are my people. <laughs> this is my tribe. Yes. yes. This is where I need to be. And then you said you got the real estate job. Was it your senior year? Um, I think it was February. It must've been February of my junior year. Um, I don't know. Time times all messed up, but (laughs) I worked for her for maybe two and a half years, I think, or maybe it was a year and a half, but it was a, it was a few years. Um, and, and I, and it was good because it was the best money, but it wasn't the first time that ever, you know, was nervous about what the starting pay was, but she, you know, she said after 30 or 45 days, we could discuss a raise. And so then mustering up the courage to go to her and say, how about that raise? Oh you my know? gosh. Yes. <laughs> um, good for you. Cause, <laughs> Cause I needed more money. I mean, I, I was making more than what I had been making at JCPenney, yeah. but at the same time, you know, there's only so many hours in the day and so much time that she needed, but I think she could see um, how much of a benefit I was to her. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was able to earn that raise and, and help pay you know, my way. And I had the, I had the pale grant as well, just because, mm-hmm. because I was emancipated from my parents, you know, there was no, there was very little income right. to show that I could pay my way through college. And so I did have that. So I, I feel very blessed that through the grants, through the scholarships. Um, and of course I had the hope scholarship for about a year and a half. Um, you know, I was able to graduate from college debt-free. I mean, I oh, cannot, wow. That's impressive, imagine, Heather. I can't imagine taking on the debt that students seem to take on today, um, yeah. which is, which is why I had zero desire to ever go back for a master's degree too, <laughs> quite frankly. Yeah. What, <laughs> at like, what point do you remember working in real estate, like as an assistant or, or working in the office and thinking, I think I want to do this one day. I'm going to try my hand at selling houses. You know, I don't remember like a, a light bulb moment. Um, I, I definitely went all through college completely unaware of what I wanted to do, um, which was very, very nerve wracking for me, um, for sure. Um, I never considered quitting, even though you don't need a degree to to get into real estate. I knew that what I was learning, I was going to be able to implement in my life period. Um, But I just knew that I didn't want to move back to Metro Atlanta. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't want to work in an office job nine to five. I just that it didn't spark my interest. I only interviewed for one job and it was in Gwinnett and driving down 316 for the interview. I was like, this is horrendous. I cannot do this every day of my life. And I didn't want to leave Athens. I loved the town. Um, my husband who was my boyfriend at the time would have picked up and moved anywhere in the country. But I think, um, I just wanted to put roots down somewhere and have stability. Um, And so it was, for me, it was, I know this, I've learned this, and I think I can be good at it. Um, Uh I felt very blessed to have learned from a realtor that had been in the business since the early 80s. And so she was so seasoned and, you know, just getting to sit in and listen to her phone conversations Mm -hmm. and listen to conversations with her clients. Um, you know, I just, at that time of my life, I just was willing to soak in anything I possibly could. There were a lot of realtors, um, who discouraged me from getting my license. 
because I was so young and I needed to start a family first and I oh, needed to do it. Yes. Oh <laughs> I needed to do it the way they did it, yes. which was get married, have kids. And when our, when my kids got into school, then I could, and I was like, well, I don't want to do that. And yeah. I'm too young and I don't want kids right now. And, I, and so that was a little, that was hard. I mean, that was because these were, these were people that I worked with for a couple of yeah. years and respected. And so that was tough. That was really tough. Um, and you know, the broker that I ended up working. So after I graduated, um, I started working for her full time and I went to school at night to get my real estate license. Um, and you know, she was a tough cookie. Um, Mm -hmm. and I had to kind of, I had to fight for what I felt like was an appropriate wage because I knew that I could balance, um, some of the misconceptions that people Mm -hmm. had for her. Um, and so, and it was really tough to leave her. Um, but at the same time, I knew that it was time for me to spread my wings and I had saved a lot, you know, because you wake up unemployed every day when you're a realtor. So I don't like owing anyone any money. So I didn't want to go into debt. So I saved enough money, you know, where if, if it was two or three months before I had a closing, I I could pay my bills. It wasn't going to be the end of the world. I'm so impressed that you did this when you were like 20 or 21. I mean, I guess you were 21 when you graduated. 21. Well, so I was 20. Oh God, I don't know. You were young. Yes, I was young. (laughs) I was young. Because, Um, you know, I remember thinking about a car and like, just not thinking about, okay, what if I don't have a job for a few months? And that actually happened where I didn't have a job for a few months and ended up working in a bakery for minimum wage with a master's degree. <laughs> so good, oh my for you. good for you for thinking about that yes. ahead of time. All right. So you saved your money. And then do you remember your first, like when you had your license and how did they turn you loose to sell your first house? Uh, well, my <laughs> husband and I was, was the first house I actually sold. Okay. <laughs> so I, was, I was my own guinea pig. That's funny. <laughs> um, yeah. So I got my license, um, maybe six months before we got married and we, we bought a house, um, two months before we got married. So, um, so I was my first Guinea pig on myself, but you know, after that, yes, I do. Um, and I was a nervous wreck, but again, I had, I feel like I got into it honestly way better than most realtors Uh because I had a mentor. I had a mentor that I was working for full-time who happened to be the broker of the company. So not only did I get to hear all of the solutions Mm-hmm. that she had for all of the contracts she did. But anytime an agent in the office had a problem, I was the fly on the wall sitting yeah. there listening. So I, I felt prepared for sure. Uh-huh. Um, but this is an ever evolving industry and I still have to learn every single day because the market is continually changing. Um, but yes, I was definitely a nervous wreck. Um, and really when I went out on my own, I left the company and began as a subdivision agent. So I, I basically had um, kind of built-in business, which was, again, a, a nice stepping stone for me yeah. because it was pre-recession. So people were buying new homes left and right. Um, but it was also a kind of a culture shock because they were luxury homes. And so yeah. sitting, in a, sitting in a clubhouse and then listening to some of the stuff was kind of crazy, but it was a great way for me to get into the industry on my own. And I was able to work something out with my new broker where I was able to sell outside of the community as well versus just selling in that Uh subdivision. I was able to continue to build my business. And so there were a lot of relationships that I had built as an assistant where those people liked me a lot. Um, Uh And because I was licensed, I was able to show property. So there were a good number of people though, even even though my name might not have been on the contract, Mm -hmm. when they found out I went on my own, they did come to me. And so, so I, I was from the beginning, just trying to provide the best service that I would want someone Mm -hmm. to provide to me because, you know, it's the biggest purchase of your life. And yes, you know, you can take a 75 hour real estate course and be on your own. And that's just dangerous to me. It's, mm-hmm. it's scary and it's um, nerve wracking to this day. I still think it's too easy to get your real estate license. Mm-hmm. Um, but I certainly felt prepared because I really feel like I had some good mentors um, that I was able to shadow and 
learned from over the years. Yeah. And with any job, if you ask, how can I serve in this role? With any job, you can serve others. And if you're doing that, you're going to be successful. I mean, whether it's being a teacher or, you know, if you know your why behind what you're doing and you're there to serve other people, then that's, that's going to be a recipe for success. Absolutely. And your work ethic. Like you said, you sounds like you have worked your butt off all these years. When you had kids, did you feel like you had to put up some boundaries as far as your schedule? And Oh, absolutely. Um, and it was hard for me to transition into that. I'll be honest. I was, um, maybe four hours after having a child, I was on the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it, but it's real estate doesn't stop. And I was in the middle of negotiating a relocation contract and, you know, it, it needed to get finished, um, if you will. And so, um, you know, but, but yes, um, again, <laughs> creating my own hours, um, has been a tremendous help. And obviously when they're, when they're babies, I could do so much from uh-huh. home and, um, I've, planned appointments around my nursing schedule. I was very blessed to have a husband who was able to take off um, time from work. And so he was with us for 12 weeks, which was amazing. That is great. Yeah. So he, um, you know, he would, I clearly remember one of my past clients, who's now one of my closest friends, um, (laughs) and they did not know this at the time, but we, I'd, I'd shown them a bunch of homes because this was back in the day when there was a bunch of homes to look at. And so (laughs) we had shown homes for hours and we were taking a lunch break. And, um, you know, I, we had had some discussions, we finished lunch and I said, okay, you know, I'm going to step out for a few minutes in the parking lot. Y'all take some time to talk, see if there's anything that you like to discuss for an offer. They didn't know I was going to meet my husband and car to nurse. (laughs) (laughs) Um, because I, I didn't, you know, I didn't want them to, have any pressure of they interfering with my family life because they weren't I mean you know I was going to make it work and this was when they were in town from out of state and um wow but yeah I um I we made it work thanks a lot to my husband I mean I honestly if he didn't have the the work schedule that he has with shift work being off some during the week and and off every other weekend you know people didn't need to know why I wasn't available, but I would just give them my availability. You know, I'm available between, you know, one and three on Tuesday or, you know, four and six on Wednesday, but you know, whatever it was. Um, and I still do that. Um, but now that they're older, I'm definitely much more upfront as far as the evenings. Uh I tell people, you know, nine times out of 10 between four and eight, that's my time with my family. And, and usually yes. it's not necessarily all quality time. It's running to two different places to pick them up from school. And then we get home and then I'm rushing around in the kitchen to make dinner and they're taking their showers and, or we're going to softball practice. I mean, uh-huh. you know, so, um, but I, I make it very clear to those. Sometimes I have to be a little more blunt with some clients, but, you know, I tell them, I, I get like, three to four hours a day with my children and that's it. And so I'm unavailable at that time. And most are completely understanding. It is very, very rare that something between four and eight or five and eight, because really it's five and eight, um, that something urgent would happen that couldn't Uh be handled either the next day or couldn't be handled at eight 15. Um, you know, and I've finally learned to put my phone on do not disturb because people would text me at three o'clock in the morning. What? Um, oh my gosh. It's crazy. Um, oh, but, but after, like, after having, go ahead. I was going to say, I like how you, I, I haven't thought about that, that you only have a few hours with your kids every day. They spend eight hours at school. They're not really there in the mornings. You know, they don't mm-hmm. really want to have a heart to heart or. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We're all rushing around. Doing it's like, go, go, go. Teeth, hair. Yes. Yeah. So it's really just that small window of time and you've got to put fences around it. Otherwise mm-hmm. you're, you're, they're going to be gone. Right. And it's been incredibly difficult probably the last two years because there is an inventory and, and people do see urgency, um, you know, but I mean, it would be just like if I was on an appointment with another client, I couldn't necessarily stop what I was doing and type up an offer for them, you know, if I was out showing houses. So, you know, 
so again, they just don't have to know what it is most of the time. But I mean, I, I love that I have the flexibility that, you know, pre-pandemic, if they were having a performance at school, I could go in the middle of the day and, and watch the performance and then head back to the office, um, you know, and on weekends, if it's a weekend that my husband's off, you know, they may not like it, but I can run out for two hours and show a few houses or, you know, and, and or write an offer and still have plenty of time with them. Um, you know, so that's one of the things that I've, that was always appealing to me is that I could set my own schedule. Um, and that's not to say that I don't work crazy, ridiculously long hours much of the year. Um, and, and certainly Lauren will tell you that, you know, I'm a nervous wreck when things get slow and, Mm -hmm. and I've had to learn to take a step back and say this break, if you will, or this lull in the market is a blessing and I need to thank God for it and Mm -hmm. and know that I'm going to be okay. And everything's going to be fine because there will be several months out of the year where it's complete chaos. And, you know, there'll be evenings that I work late and there'll be, you know, months where I work every weekend in a row. Um, mm-hmm. And it may not be eight hours a day, but it's still, you know, I might still work, you know, 25, 30 days in a row of going somewhere, doing something and just not really being able to have a day of rest at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's something that I have to kind of remind myself of when, when there seems to be kind of slows in the market or I've run out of listings and um, no buyer's offers are getting accepted, whatever it is. Um, I'm like, okay, that's all right. This is some time that I can reorganize things or can just take a moment to myself to read a book or, you know, whatever it mm-hmm. is. It sounds like it's taken, you, you're proud of where you've come from. I guess at first you probably weren't that relaxed when things were slow and, but now you seem to be able to recognize like, okay, I've got two girls, they're home, they're, you know, I can spend time with them and Mm -hmm. do other things. Yes. Yes. Um, You know, it's when you set goals for yourself as a business owner, if you aren't achieving those goals, it can be incredibly difficult. Um, But having, you know, a fantastic spouse to be able to bounce ideas off of and friends to kind of bring me back to reality. Lauren's great about doing that (laughs) and telling me that I'm being ridiculous. Um, Those are important things that I schedule into my time, Um, you know, and, and it's very helpful to get away, have a breather, but yes, I mean, I feel very blessed to have created relationships with clients that continue to come back to me year after year Mm -hmm. and refer their friends and family members to me. Um, and it, and it really helps with me not having to work so hard because if I'm not having to, you know, pay all these online fees and, and try to, yeah, hustle and, and build these new relationships, which you are with a new client, but if they're referred from someone that they love and know, then right off bat, more often than not, you're, you're in a, better place than you would be if it was just a stranger that called you and said, I saw your sign, mm-hmm. you know, Actually, and yeah. then- I had an aha just now. So you're, I, I hear about other jobs where you have what they call raving fans, <laughs> Yes, which is one of my favorite books. <laughs> yeah. So if you're serving these people, you're giving, you're being authentic, you're genuinely giving them what they need and, um, giving it from your heart, then they're going to become raving fans. They're going to refer their five best friends to you. Yes. And come back to me and, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, you know, and taking care of them. I mean, letting them know how much I appreciate them, um, is really important to me. And the pandemic's made that really difficult. Um, that was hard. That's hard. It's still hard. I've, typically have a client appreciation event. It's something that's close to my heart, but then I invite um, some of my top clients, all females, nothing against the males, but it's more of a (laughs) women's thing. And so, you know, that has been virtual the last two years. So that's been hard, you know, finding new creative ways to let my past clients know how much I appreciate them. Um, Because there's, it's kind of heartbreaking if you do see a past client go with someone else Yeah. But, but honestly, in our market, I mean, we're a dime a dozen. There are realtors everywhere and there are hundreds more than there were this time last year. And so everyone knows five to 10 people, you know? And so 
Yeah. I just, I want to make sure that I continue to nurture those relationships. Um, and and again, so many of them have become friends, which is really Mm -hmm. nice and neat. And, um, and if they're older and, you know, they have grandkids that are around, you know, my girl's ages. So it's, it's nice to just be able to make connections with, with my clients. I mean, it really is so much more than a business transaction to me. And you've surrounded yourself. You mentioned, um, a few friends and you've surrounded yourself with this support network that it sounds like you didn't have as much growing up, but you want to make sure your girls have it. You want to make sure you have it when times are tough. So that's, that's important to anybody listening to, um, yeah, if you if you live in a new town, it's going to be hard, but you've got to surround yourself with with cheerleaders, with a support right. network. I call it a board of directors. They don't really know they're my board of directors, but <laughs> you know, if I have to make a decision, if I'm going through a rough patch, then those are the people I turn to. Yes, yes, definitely. And so your girls get to see you being a woman, working outside the home, killing it. <laughs> but also putting up boundaries and being a mom and making time to take them to events. And, and I also know that you are really involved in the community. So you were mentored growing up and then you turn around and you're involved in give us a taste of what all you do on the side. Um, So right now, probably my biggest role is as a Rotarian. Um, And again, that was in high school. I started out in interact club Mm -hmm. And was able to get a scholarship through them. And so my first, the first person I ever met in Athens was a Rotarian. And it was through oh. a connection of my local club where I had won the scholarship. Um, and they basically said, hey, she's moving to the university. She doesn't know anybody. She needs a job. So I had a full-time job the summer before wow. I started my freshman year. And that was through a Rotarian. I mean, that was, she stood up and I'm a nervous wreck. I didn't know anybody. I was yeah. 18. And she said, you know, Heather's an incoming freshman at the university and she needs a job and she can work full-time this summer. And I mean, I had someone call me that afternoon. It was just wow, astonishing. Um, and so I didn't get into Rotary until after I had my first daughter. So 2013, and it was a way for me to s- slowly get back into the nonprofit and giving mm-hmm. back. I was, was really involved before kids, but realized when I was pregnant, I am overcommitted. Yeah. I and being pulled in 50 different directions. Um, the expectations that these nonprofits have of me is something that I just can't fulfill. Yeah. Um, and so I resigned from everything, which was a little nerve wracking, but I, w- I didn't want to mess it up. I mean, I was having my first kid and right. I just knew that she needed to be my only priority, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, outside of work, she needed to be my priority. And so it was 2013 and I, reached out to a Rotarian that I knew. And she said, there's someone in my office who was a member of the other Athens Rotary Club. And why don't you reach out to him? And I was like, oh, I actually met him at a Chamber of Commerce event a few years ago. So I know him kind of. Mm -hmm. And so he was my sponsor. And I went to the first meeting and I had a past client was a member and she was actually the president that year. Um, someone from the Athens area homeless shelter that I had worked on before I had my oldest daughter or, um, she was a member and then someone else that was on that board of directors with me was a member. So I knew people. And so that made me immediately feel comfort. There were a ton of people I didn't know, but I had some familiar faces, um, and they welcomed me in. And so Rotary was a way that, you know, it, it aligns with what my goals are and what my beliefs are. Um, but it was a way that if I was available to help for a certain project, then I could say yes. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't this expectation where if I was on the board of directors of a certain nonprofit, I'm expected to do X, Y, right. and Z all the time. Yeah. And I, and I didn't have to do that. Um, and I was like, I have to eat every day anyway. And I love yeah. business lunches. And so the, the once a week meeting was no big deal for me. Actually, it was a it was a huge benefit to me because that was my way of getting outside of the office mm-hmm. and seeing other people. Um, and then also, so it was this networking component that was tied into all of the, the things that pulled at my heartstrings, which were helping underprivileged and, um, and women in general um, and health and wellness and you yeah. know, the environment. So, so Rotary was really kind of the, the first step back into 
helping mm-hmm. locally. Um, and then um, we had to find a church family. Um, John and I had really gone to several different churches for quite a while, um, trying to figure out where we fit in. And, mm-hmm. and we struggled because we were young, we were married. There were a lot of people that were our age that weren't married. Um, so some of the younger couples were still much older than us. And so it took us a while, but we finally found a home, a new church family, and our children started getting involved there, which was wonderful. Um, So giving back at the church and then now also um, Dolly Parton's Imagination Library. Um, which Dolly Parton's Imagination Library. Y'all who aren't from the South, I don't think she does it outside the South, does she? She does it all over the world, but it's not in every state. But I mean, there are different countries. She's in a handful of countries. And, you know, so you just have to find a place that has started a program. So, So it's no, it's not necessarily everywhere, but she is all over the world. Yeah. So Dolly Parton gives a book. Um, is it a book a month to each? A book a month from birth. Yep. From birth until five years old. Um, and it's addressed to the child. It's mailed to the house. That's amazing. And so I'm on the advisory board for the Clark County, um, Mm -hmm. Dolly Parton's Imagination Library. And, you know, I was, I didn't even know that that group existed until my daughter was born in 2012 and the nurse told me about it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing ever. And I don't remember having a lot of books as a child and being read to. And so, I mean, that was one of the benefits of having John home for 12 weeks is between he and I, our daughter was read to like every day, all day long. Um, Yes. So, so those are really kind of the three big things that I'm involved in now. Um, And, you know, rotary, I think is, is what I align with so much though, because it, it takes care of so many different things from, you know, from polio to literacy um, women and children health and it's all Mm -hmm. over the world, you know, so, but we're also able to do it here locally. And so it's everything from picking up trash to, um, you know, donating financial. Um, and we also, our local group, um, supports a lot of mental health awareness, um, and living in a town with a lot of musicians. Um, that's kind of the focus area that we've, um, kind of honed in on is the arts, so it's, um, it's a great group. And, and I'd like to highlight what you're saying about um, when you get involved, even if it's just one of those organizations or just one, you know, volunteer at your library, and you may think, I don't have time, I'm so burned out. But one of the antidotes to stress and being burned out is um, acts of altruism or acts of service. So if you can do that, you're actually going to get more benefit than the person you're volunteering for or the group you're serving. It's going gonna, gonna to give you that boost of endorphins. And that's not why we do it, but it's, it's part of the perk, I guess. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah, the pandemic was tough, you know, being away. From, we still did Zoom, but it it's not the same connection as sitting at a table with someone and being able to meet out somewhere and, you know, have a conversation about their family as you walk along the street and pick up trash. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just, um, yeah, you just, human connection is just so incredibly important. Um, and knowing that you can put a smile on someone else's face by saying a few kind words or giving them something that is, you know, pennies to you is, is amazing. Yeah. And your kids get to see that. And if you could go back and tell your 17 year old self, if you could go back and give her like a hug and give her some advice, what would you tell her? Uh, Don't party so much. (laughs) I love it. Um, I don't know. I mean, again, I made a lot of mistakes as a, as a kid, I thought I had all the answers and I didn't. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess I could just tell her that it's all going to be all right. It's all going to be okay. Right. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of hurdles that you're going to have to jump through and a lot of tears you're going to shed, but it'll, it's all going to work out. Yeah. I love that. And I just, I loved hearing your story today. So thanks for sharing the ups and the downs. My pleasure. 
you know, just giving people hope that even if they're going through rough patches, you can work hard, you can serve others, you can get involved in helping other people and, and it's going to be okay. That's right. Absolutely. (laughs) Thanks, Heather. Thank you, Hope. That was such a good story, Heather. Thanks for sharing. Okay, here's her take home points. Life will send helpers your way. But you may have to put yourself in awkward situations and reach out and call or email somebody you barely know. You have to be willing to put yourself out there and ask for help. Number two, if you're forcing a path you think you need to be successful, but it's excruciatingly hard, like a business degree felt to Heather, you need to take a harder look at whether or not this is the right path for you. Number three, look around you. Who do you aspire to be like? Do you want to end up like the people around you? Do you have a desire to create a different and better life? If you don't have a built-in support network, you're going to have to create one with mentors and supporters. Number four, ask yourself if you're providing the kind of awesome service you'd want someone else to provide to you or your family members. This intention will show up in how you genuinely care about and give to your customers or clients. Chances are good they'll tell their friends about you and become raving fans. Number five, if you have kids and work full-time, realize that you only get three to four hours a day with them. Guard this time. Don't let down your boundaries. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening today. I really appreciate it. If you know someone who could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. I would also love it if you would leave a review on Apple iTunes. That helps me reach more people. So please do it. And lastly, if you want more of what you heard today, you can go on over to my website at hopethepa.com. And I have created this little amazing free ebook called Your Guide to Hacking the Life Machine. And you can sign up for my weekly newsletter. It has lots of yummy things in it. All right, y'all take care and I will see you next week.